and welcome to the Her International Film Festival podcast. My name is Molly Cantwell and I'll be your host. Throughout this season of the podcast, I'll be conversing with outstanding young female filmmakers all around the world, recognising and addressing the struggle of being a female filmmaker and celebrating the future generations. This week, we have a special episode of the podcast where I speak to the more established documentary filmmaker, Helen Selka. Helen uses digital video to explore the counterpoint between visual and oral narratives and aims for emotional authenticity in her storytelling. Helen is involved with the Women Over 50 Film Festival, which champions and showcases the work of older women on screen and behind the camera with an annual short film festival and year-round events and film screenings. I'll be chatting to Helen around the theme of coming of age. We'll be talking about how gender and age affect the experience of women in film. So today on the podcast, we have Helen Selka. It's very nice to meet you and thank you so much for coming on to the podcast today. We have a lot to learn from her this week. So Helen, would you mind telling us and the listeners a little bit about yourself? Sure. Thank you very much for inviting me. I'm, what would we call me? Uh, I don't know if we need to, we sort of, I think the podcast is about age, isn't it? And about how we develop as women through, through our lives and in connection to film. And so, so I'm a documentary filmmaker and I came late to filmmaking after I'd had my children, but I had trained as an actress before that. And so the catching of the complexity and subtlety of everyday life through digital video really informs my work and I try to make classic work and so I'm a sort of film festival filmmaker rather than a commercial filmmaker. As you said before you started your career as an actress and you trained at the Royal Academy of Dramatic Arts so how did this transform then into a career as a documentary filmmaker? Well I was thinking when my children were small why are there no significant female painters that was a thought that there are some female uh, artemisia gentileschi you know some but most of the great in inverted commas painters were a male and and i was kind of thinking and i was thinking where is there an art form where women hold the same place on the world stage as men and i thought it actually it's the novel you know nobody thinks george eliot is any less a novelist than thomas hardy or i know i suddenly understood why the novel was an art form where women could uh, absolutely um be on the same level as men because it's something that can be picked up and put down at will when there is a moment in between all the all the other duties and i think there is something about the exploration of human interactions that occurs in novels that i think is also something that women uh, naturally look at in life it, they're interested in the psychodynamics if you like and so i i knew that i didn't want to be a writer and I thought, what, but I love language, but I love spoken language. And I thought, well, what's the, what's the equivalent? Because in the theatre, I knew if I wanted to go back to be a performer, the idea of having to be in a fixed place for six weeks to do a show and be there for my kids, it, it just wasn't a possibility. 
but a film can be put together, the shoot can be quite short and concentrated, one or two days, and then the edit can be really picked up and put down at will, rather like a piece of writing. And that is what took me to explore film. So on the kind of transition from, you know, working as an actress, working in that industry into the film industry, did you feel that the experiences that you had had as a young woman working in the acting industry translated some way into working in a very male dominated industry, especially in terms of documentary making, it would be a lot male heavier than women, definitely. Yes, uh, my practice is absolutely informed by what I learned at drama school. I was hugely fortunate to have a world-class training. I still can't, and it was an experiential training. I, uh, till that point, I had been entirely academic. So I'd been to university, I, everything had been expressed through writing um, and analysis. And to be in a place where we were encouraged to find our own way and where the competition of a traditional education was completely irrelevant because as a performer you really have to work with yourself and you are the only one of you so it's absolutely pointless comparing yourself to others I mean we all do it it's very natural and particularly at drama school it's a sort of hotbed of anxiety about who's going to get the next the job and who's going to be the star and all that but actually the biggest learning for me was this eye-opening building of skills through doing, learning through doing, just being taught by people who were absolutely at the top of their tree. It was, it was an amazing experience, one of which I'm still extraordinarily grateful for. I'm interested, I had been working part-time in an engineering company, a family business, whilst I was bringing my children up. So actually, I was interested in technology and process. I'm also very interested in how art, technology available, you know, paint colours, certain paint colours influences the what, how painters work. Musical instruments, synthesizers influence how composers work. The piano, you know, influenced how Chopin works. So technology and creativity are really, really wedded together. And for my form of making, digital video was absolutely key. I couldn't make in the way that I make without digital video. Because coming back to your first question about how does the acting link into the filmmaking, as an actor, you have a script and you're looking to create emotional truth around the delivery of a script. And as a filmmaker, what I wanted to do was just shoot and shoot so those moments which you don't know when they're going to come but those moments of real life when there is an emotional context or somebody reveals themselves or somebody's really relaxed you don't know when they're going to come so to be able to just shoot lots means that you find those moments of emotional truth but it's not a commercial way of working because you shoot too much. It's not that disciplined. But I, at the moment, in order to get money, I, I have a, a consultancy coaching practice. And actually, this informs my work, this style of emergent allowing. Even when I'm working in corporates, I, I will work in that way because I think 
boxing things in is not that's not for me it's a perfectly valid way of working and directing but it's not my practice so you spoke a bit about your coaching business um and I was just wondering is there any times that not the idea that the people that your clients would bring to you but is there any um, bits of inspiration that you get from the people that you meet in your in the business or from any of the ideas that they would have do you draw any inspiration from kind of that side of your business interestingly no you've it's a it's an interesting question I haven't thought about it before I I'm I have a practice a film portraiture practice which I would like to expand more that's my ambition is to make more film portraits and I suppose that's connected to the coaching, but actually I keep them very separate in, in my mind because uh, I don't want to compromise my integrity in either space. And of course, if you have a relationship as a coach, you have to keep that very contained. It has to be safe. So if you have another agenda, like, oh, this would be great to make a film about this person, then that's kind of uh, corrupting the coaching work, if you like. However, my business partner and I, uh, we have a, a, a double act, a consultancy double act practice. And we are just thinking about the website. And I am just thinking about how we will shoot what is special about our practice. And I'm drawing on all my documentary experience and work to think about how we put those 30 seconds uh, sound bites up on on the website and they will be mini documentaries in in my style so it's finding an outlet there you work with the women over 50 film festival would you be able to tell the listeners a little bit about the festival sure absolutely i'd be delighted to i made contact with them because i put a film in uh, called the polling station which got shortlisted for a prize and um nula who runs the festival rang me up personally to say that um that the film had been nominated i couldn't go to the festival i, I was i think i was doing another shoot in ireland actually at the time and i was just so blown away with her friendliness and her passion and her commitment that i just you know gradually built a, a close relationship with Nula and wanted to really help her make a success of her festival and she had made a film which got into a film festival in America I think she must have been coming you know coming up in her early 50s and she's a very gregarious person and she said it was the first time in her life she'd felt alienated because everybody at the film festival was young just completely young and she thought this is ridiculous that women over 50 have so much energy they have so much wisdom they have so much creativity the industry is not really making a space for them and their work so i'm going to make a space for them and that's basically that's what she did and i've been alongside her on that journey and the quality of the work which we get from all over the world now no applications go up every year it's been online last year and will probably be on an online festival again this year and just the quality of the work which wouldn't probably get screened in other festivals because the subject matter is really relevant to minority audiences really but the quality and the and the voice i, I think everybody needs 
the opportunity to be heard. And I think what you're doing and what Nula's doing is making a space for people to be heard. And I, I just think that is a wonderful, wonderful thing to do. In your own personal opinion, why is a festival like this so important to you? Because it, it validates and gives confidence to a sector of society who historically have been overlooked. At the moment in the film industry, I know that there's been such a surge in kind of recognition of women over 50, like with the film Nomadland with Frances MacDonald and Chloe Zhao and um, Len Close in like Sunset Boulevard and the reboot of Sunset Boulevard. And then she did another big film and then Meryl Streep, all of her films that have come out recently that have been, you know, she's she's had a huge recognition as well. But why do you think that it's so important for us to be seen like the different at a different award ceremony, like making these women such a front and centre focus? I think it's interesting that when you try and shift society, sometimes perhaps it, it the pendulum swings, you know, really far. I mean, I think trying to level up the playing field is a really good thing. But I think things go in trends and flavours of the month. And, and actually, really, I'm interested in people being able to make good work and be appreciated for that, no matter whether they, you know, no matter what their culture, what their age, what their gender, what their sexuality. I really do believe in diversity and inclusion. So it's great to see more women, especially those big Hollywood stalwarts, you know, get getting interesting parts and recognition. But I think it's also great that younger women are opening a conversation about their experience of the world. And I just think film is a great well, any art form really, it's a great window into other people's experience. And I just think the more we can all understand each other's experience, uh, the, the greater joy there is in life, really. So I'm going to move on to our Mumblecore question, which we fondly name after our executive producer, Katie, um, who was on the first episode of the pod. If you haven't listened to it, go back and listen to her fantastic answer to this question. Um, so the question is, what genre or character or film best describes you or your personality or your life? Well, I, 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 it was a really interesting question. I, I, I was thinking about it quite hard. And I think actually one of the seminal documentaries, pieces of work that is unfortunately made by a man, but never mind, um, <laughs> it is a brilliant piece of work, uh, is Michael Apted's Seven Up. And I think that use of continuity over the course of a lifetime and amusing on on mortality. I think it's the absolute, it was absolutely visionary piece of filmmaking. And because I'm older now, you know, I would see, I would be very happy to be, for, for my sort of life journey to be seen in that kind of, that kind of narrative. And the way that the, the person inside stays the same really, but what life does to people. I think it's, it's just a fantastic piece of work. So we're moving on to the kind of second section of the podcast, which is kind of our sharing our love for film and for of inspirations, etc., things like that. So the theme of this episode is coming of age. So I wanted to talk to you a bit about the kind of different obstacles faced by women. Once you reach kind of over the age of 50 in the industry, I know the problems that you have in the industry slightly change. So I was wondering if I could get your opinions on this and possibly experiences on the topic. 
Yes, I have. Um, let me think about this because I make for myself essentially uh, on the understanding that I probably won't have much success in industry. I think there's, ne you know, it's hard to make your way in film. There's budget for drama. It's very hard. Documentaries at the bottom of the pile, really. And if you don't want to sensationalise or use celebrity in documentary, then there is very, you know, there is very little industry recognition, really. I think that's where film festivals are so great, because there are loads of people making wonderful work, which is perhaps more about self-expression than commercial success. And the festivals are a really great place for that to happen. And of course, it really depends how you how you want to position yourself as a maker. I, I have worked with two fantastic female filmmakers who have keep just keep making and have both won or been nominated or won prizes at major international documentary festivals but they have other pro com commercial practices and you know they'll make adverts or that one of them teaches the other will sh do advert shoots and that kind of thing so their their own practice has always got to be supported by by some other more commercial work i also have a friend female friend who's a TV director stroke writer and she is early 50s now and she has worked in the TV industry all her working life very successfully but is really keen to I think in the industry you get put into boxes it's a lot easier if you're a certain type of maker a certain type of director you know ultimately the industry is about getting a financial return on the investment and therefore they want a safe bet and therefore artistic exploration has to be done sort of outside that cycle really apart from a very very tiny few fortunate people but there's it's such a minute percentage um, I think just you know just keep making keep doing that's the advice whenever you go to a film festival you'll hear other people saying that too keep making have faith in your own voice and if you are very very committed to and ambitious to have success in the industry then you will need to shape your work into a form that that suits and can satisfy you know the needs of that space now, a question I was very interested to ask you, looking at kind of your past and then com coming into the, diff you know, the, the shift of industry and the shift of kind of career. If you could go back and give a piece of advice to yourself, either starting when you have started acting or when you were coming into the documentary making, what would that piece of advice be? It would be have faith in yourself, trust yourself. And is that a piece of advice that you think would apply to a lot of women? Yes, I do. I mean, I don't know what it is about whether it's the education system or whether it's hardwired, you know, how, how societal it is, how biological it is. But owning the space for women seems to be a, more of a challenge. A more comfortable space is to defer to others. I think for women, um, although I think your generation, it, that is changing. So really trusting yourself and feeling that your voice is as val valuable and valid as anybody else's. 
not putting yourself down that I really would give that advice to women yes I mean even now in in my work outside the film industry you see that self-deprecation a lot in women thank you very much for that that's going back to the past and going into the future I'd be very interested to hear about the projects that you're currently working on or ones that you've recently released or anything coming up for you well I made a film about my family dynamics I made a film with my children called Family Film and that is I'm proud of that work because it shows the dysfunction in the family and that's and it shows the tension between being a mum and being a filmmaker and I really did I really wanted to explore that and that's the that's the last um, piece that I made that was on the festival circuit last year. Um, I'm currently trying to earn money to think about my next piece, but I know that I would like to become a specialist in, in what I call talking portraits. So hour long character pieces where people who've had, you know, significant and interesting lives, their sense of themselves is caught on camera for about, in about an hour-long piece, so a talking portrait, really for research in the future, so that, so that there's a sense of the person, who they were as a person, because you can read a lot about people, but film is a wonderful way of getting a sense of the personality, and I would very much like to expand that practice. I made a piece about a member of the House of Lords 10 years ago, and I knew that when I made it, he was over 70 at the time, um, that I, I really wanted it to feel like he was in the room. And uh, he died about 18 months ago, and at Christmas his family emailed me and said, we've just seen your work and we really felt as though he was in the room with us. And I had to wait 10 years. Obviously, I didn't want him to be dead, but I knew when I was making it, I wanted that. And so that's the way I would like to develop my career going forwards, because I, I would like to be um, able to get commissions, but do work that I find you know, artistically satisfying. That's the dream. That's so interesting. I love, I love the idea of that, making somebody feel like they're in the room. That's a really interesting concept. And so lovely for somebody to have, especially after somebody has passed as well. Yeah. So interesting. Now, talking about just your recent film that you said was on the, the festival circuit, um, just a question that popped up for me. Um, I know, speaking to women um, that are older than me, you know, as a woman, as a woman in the kind of media industry, a lot of the time, um, you know, you reach over 30 and you're put into a box of, well, you're going to be a mom and you're going to have a family and, you know, that's that's what your future will be. Not, I know it's changing a lot now and the con the conversation around women not wanting family, the women being working as a mother, um, you know, we talk about it a lot more. But did you have any kind of, was there anything holding you back when making that film, thinking, well, if I make a film about, you know, being a mum or that it's something that is talked about so much is something that women are sometimes pigeonholed into that was there any reservation in making that film I don't think so no it's interesting because the biggest I think the biggest reservation that I had when I saw the rushes was was how sort of white middle class I am because I hadn't I, in my mind I'm not but on screen I really was and I was embarrassed by that 
much more that than the fact that I had a lot of kids and and was a mother I think but what's very interesting is that the sort of the the family film does not do what Instagram does it does not go my life is perfect I'm a wonderful mother my kids are amazing there was some desire of that in me obviously I mean I think in every mum there oh look at my lovely kids you know there there is that but I really wanted to I, I worked with Charlotte Ginsburg, actually, who, who's just been nominated. I knew I had to work alongside a filmmaker because I knew what I wanted, but I knew that I was too close to the subject matter. So it was very much a collaboration with Charlotte to make a piece that was about the dynamics of family life and the complexity of what role one was in and the sibling rivalry. And, and I had footage of them when they were smaller, so I, I was influenced by Seven Up. So it was the older children watching themselves when they were smaller and that voyage in nostalgia and memory. And also all their hopes and dreams, which you don't, you don't know whether they'll come off. So it's something very poignant. So at the end, they just all walk out of the door, you know, the door and the door shuts, and it always makes me want to cry. That's me. I don't, I don't think that's because that is my ki kids going out into the world. And I, I think, I think it's a very difficult argument, isn't it? Women can be totally complete without children. And so it's not to say one state is better than the other for a woman. But I, I do think the reality of motherhood, there is a huge conversation to be had around that. It's complicated, it's messy, and it's idealised all the time. I always used to have a joke that said I was going to sue Walt Disney for um, psychological damage, for giving me unrealistic expectations of family life, you know, as the mother. Because you get all these American, always making apple pie, always lovely, always perfect. And there is that kind of pressure on women to, to do that. And now with the rise of therapy and stuff, you know, and it's always the mother who's done everything, programmed all the psychosis into the poor kid when they were sort of four or five, you know. And so that's an, that's another thing now in the modern in the modern world. So I, I think it's not about one state. It's not about every woman has to be a mother. But I, 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 think, I think the role of mother is fascinating. And I think the idealization in society of the role of mother through the Virgin Mary, you know, all these, everywhere you look, there's idealized mothers. Lady Di, look at that, Princess Diana. And it's the reality is not that. And there is a taboo. I think with family film, I saw that there is a taboo about pricking that balloon because some people found it really uncomfortable. They couldn't even watch it. And that that's just a sort of honest look at me and my family. That's so interesting. That it's very true. The uh, kind of the change. There's a change in kind of I think the uh, the way we view motherhood and the conversation around motherhood is changing so much. It's uh, a really interesting thing and to capture that on film and then to you know capture kind of explanation exploration of your own life and your own motherhood is a really interesting concept it would be an interesting thing for I feel like every mother to do throughout you know their lives and then kind of moving moving on from that um, I wanted to ask you for any advice that you would have to a woman maybe starting out in the industry or maybe somebody who has been you know wanting to change careers or, or holding back from um wanting to change the, their career or wanting to get involved into an industry that is so often dominated by men? 
Well, I think, as you mentioned, there is a shift. And I think the industry is wanting more women um, to encourage more women. So I think that's good. That's a really good thing. So I think now being a woman is a plus point, not a, a minus point. And that's been a big shift over the last 10 years. And I think technology, coming back to technology, everyone can make now with a phone. Um, and and there is there are lots of different film languages now. You know the language of blogging, YouTube, sell, sort of how-to how videos. There's all sorts. You're inundated with different film languages. And so it's the same advice that you'd give to anyone in any creative industry. If it is your passion and you know you you are impelled compelled to make then there is always a way to you you can always find a way to do it and depending where you position yourself in the industry you will you'll always have to probably do other activities to help fund it or 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 you know often so it's it's about i suppose there's two things aren't there there's ambition and success worldly success financial success and recognition which statistically comes to very 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 few people and then there's artistic and creative success which is where you have a voice you build a reputation and you you make um and it and it's just keep going that's the trust yourself and keep going i mean that just is the bog standard advice to anyone in any sort of form of creative industry and then from kind of an outward wish of advice or wish, wish of success to kind of back to yourself I suppose that was an odd way of putting it but we'll go with that <laughs> are there any particular inspirations that you have within the documentary industry or the film industry or is there any women or any people that you look at when you're going to create a piece that you kind of draw inspiration from I have certainly drawn inspiration from Lucy Parker and Charlotte Ginsburg, who are makers in their own right, but I've been so, I've learned so much from collaborating with them on film projects and really admire their work. They're both sort of in their 30s and 40s, you know, they're, they're a lot younger than me and having good success and recognition. Uh, again, artistic, probably more than financial. Tracy Rooney, who I've mentioned, my TV director, writer, friend she is enormously resilient hugely skilled fantastic leadership on set i've seen her making a tv program running loads of people and showing really showing how it can be done to an incredibly high level and that is a very male she did go into a very male dominated world of tv directing so she would definitely be an inspiration to me and then on a on a on a more macro level, you know, I've mentioned Michael Apted Seven Up. I found Richard Linklater's uh, Boyhood fantastic. This this emergent piece over time and the compression of time in film. Film does that so well. It's the only medium really that can do that. Put those moments compress time. And um, there is a documentary maker called Chantal Ackerman who makes. I saw her film No Home Movie, um, which was the last film she made, and it was not an easy watch. She's a very experimental style. So in terms of 
using film to really express your own truth. She is a huge inspiration to me. And and Agnes Varda, I've come to very late. She's obviously an absolute icon. But in terms of innovative uh, making and being herself and, and making, you know, a body of work that is true to herself, she's another inspiration. Fantastic. Thank you so much. So I'm going to come to one of the kind of last questions that I have for you. And that's one of our recurring questions, which we ask all of our guests on the pod. What is the film that got you into film? I, I was thinking about this and it's embarrassing that the film that got me into film was the drama that I tried to shoot with my kids, which is what ended up being the footage in family film 15 years later. And because I'd come from acting, I thought I wanted to make a drama, and I, but I was trying to get real bits of real life in that film as I shot them, because they were all quite young, sort of 12 down to four. And when I was watching the footage, I realised that it was, it was the real life that interested me, that I didn't need to make the pretend life, that it was the real life that interested me. And that definitely is the film that got me into documentary film. That's so wonderful. I love that so much. And then the fact that it could come back into your most recent film, that's fantastic. I love that. So my last kind of, I suppose, question, but not really question. Um, is there anything, any um, projects, anything that you're looking to plug? Plug away. This is your space to uh, let us know about anything. Uh, thank you very much. I, I would... I would really love to be approached if if anybody knows of somebody really interesting they don't have to be famous but they do have to be interesting who who um who you know I I really do want to build my my talking portrait practice um and and I'm just very interested to uh, know of subjects who might be interested in being captured but who who have a, you know, whose voice needs to be heard, but who, who wouldn't necessarily be massive industry icons, just people who've had amazing lives. So um, if anybody's listening and can think of any candidates, please, yeah, do get in touch. Brilliant. We'll pop all the information for Hel all of Helen's information, all of the the links, anything, all of her contact information into the uh, description of the podcast. So if you know of anybody that you think would be interesting for one of Helen's projects, let her know through um, the links that will pop into the into the description. And of course, we'll have all of the, the links for our social medias as well in that description as well. So Helen, thank you so much for coming on. It's been so interesting speaking to you. It's a kind of side of doc of the film industry that I suppose can be sometimes overlooked is the documentary side of it and it's, it's been so interesting to talk to you about it so thank you so much. Thank you it's been a great pleasure um, and uh, uh, yeah I feel really privileged to have been able to share with you so thank you for the time. Thank you so much. Thank you so much to Helen for joining me this week. Links to Helen's work will be posted in the description of the podcast and do keep an eye out for information about her upcoming projects. A big thank you to Aton Sweeney, our wonderful producer and composer of the music you've heard throughout the episode, Dara Hogan, our editor, and Katie Lee Lynch, our executive producer. 
please do tune back in for our next episode which will be announced on all of our social medias i have been and will continue to be molly cantwell and thank you for listening (laughs) 